Welcome to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. This podcast is an audio journal of my guests and I's adventures throughout the live and local music biz. Fun conversations, cool tunes, and good times will be had. My name is Mark Sterry, and I'm a 15-plus-year veteran of the Twin Cities, Minnesota Metro music scene. Check me out at Mark Sterry, that's S-T-A-R-Y, music.net. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All of my original music is available for download on iTunes, CD Baby, and most other places you get your music online. This podcast drops every Tuesday, if not before, on iTunes, SoundCloud, and most other places podcasts are available. If you enjoy it, please subscribe on iTunes. It's totally free and guarantees you'll never miss an episode. If you got an extra buck or two you wouldn't mind tossing in the podcast tip jar, please visit patreon.com forward slash Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Also consider helping get the word out on the street via social media, five-star rating and review in iTunes, and or tell a friend or two. Happy Thought of the Day is by James Brown. The one thing that can solve most of our problems is dancing. Thanks for tuning in and welcome to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Enjoy! Welcome back to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast, episode 185. Thanks to all the folks who contribute to this podcast on Patreon.com. Coming at you on a rainy spring day from my home here in St. Paul, Minnesota. After months of construction from the pipes bursting, my basement is finally back up and running. All besides days and days of cleaning sheetrock dust off of every single thing I own. Oh well, glad to have my workspace back. I did really like the isobooth sound of doing the intros in the black Jeep, though, so with summer coming soon, I'll probably fire that back up. Last week's gigs wrap up. Wednesday, I played a solo show at Pub 42 in New Hope, Minnesota. Owner Wags is starting to plan the annual dog festival there this summer, and Copper the Wonder Golden and I are pumped. Friday, I played a solo show at Danny's in Stillwater, Minnesota. The golfers are back. Saturday, Brian K. Johnson and I rocked out for the Nova Beer Cave Festival in Hudson, Wisconsin. Great to hear previous podcast guest Nikki Pepper rocking out. Saturday night, Mr. Brian K. Johnson and myself jammed out at GPI, a.k.a. Gosnell's Packer Inn in Prairie Farm, Wisconsin. We did two sets, one funky and one classic country sing-along, only at the GPI. Upcoming shows. Wednesday, May 1st, 2019, I'll be playing a solo show at Pub 42 in New Holt, Minnesota from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. Friday, May 3rd, I'll be playing a solo show at Ingredients in White Bear Lake, Minnesota from 6 to 8.30 p.m. Saturday, May 4th, Mr. Brian K. Johnson and I will be rambling on up to Breezy Point, Minnesota to rock out at JJ's Pub from 5 to 9 p.m. Sunday, May 5th, I'll be playing a solo show at Lucky's 13 in Roseville, Minnesota from 3 to 6 p.m. is part two of three with legendary drummer, guitarist, songwriter, and producer Jelly Bean Johnson. We talk producing the hit Janet Jackson single Black Cat and more. Enjoy the conversation. Hey, 
Hey everybody, welcome back to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Part two here with Jelly Bean Johnson, a legendary drummer, guitarist, songwriter, and producer here. We're at Caribou Coffee here in Brooklyn Park. And we're just talking the first episode, we're talking about some blues, talking about Shaw's, talking about Jelly Bean's new single, put some jelly on it. Yeah. And you were just telling me about a thing you got going on at MMC. What's that all about? Okay, I have a big show there, April 25th. Uh, uh, it's called Nothing Compared to P, and it's going to be in dedication to Prince. And uh, I'm going to have a bunch of stars there. I'm going to have Law. Uh, he's from uh, New York coming in. I have uh, Marva King, Ken Valdez. Danny Coos, Jeffrey Mack, Mark Joseph, uh, Carlton Armstrong, uh, let's see, Sismic City, Illism, Corey Medina and Brothers, and the Smitty Pit. All those guys, all those bands will be playing that night. So stop down. It's, uh, it's, you can get tickets for 20 bucks on uh, Eventbrite, and uh, there'll be 25 at the door. All right, That's you. awesome, man. Yeah. So what's going to be on the set list that night? Uh, it'll be all, mostly all Prince music. Okay. So that's that's the theme and stuff. There'll probably be some little other things thrown in, but it'll be mostly Prince music. So, like, uh, if you're doing a, a Prince show like that, um, are you mostly doing just his hits? Or would no, you do other kinds no, of No, we do everything. We do outside stuff, too. Like, I'm going to do, uh, me and Ken Valdez is going to do The Ride. We're going to do Dreamer. Uh, I'm going to do uh, Bambi with uh, Mary King. You know, we go. We gonna get into all of it, man. Okay. You know. Well, yeah. that sounds just incredible. That that's awesome, man. Yeah. yeah check that out for sure. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite Prince era to cover? My favorite Prince era to cover is the '80s when we first got with him. Yeah. You know, controversy and and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Little Red Corvette. So many I like, you know, uh, Private Joy, uh, uh, just it's a ton of them, man. I, I, it's hard to say a favorite and stuff, but those, I, you know, and then in the 90s, I like The Door and the, the ballads and stuff like that, you know. Okay. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, one of my favorite songs as a kid, and I'm not kidding, and I'm listening to it all week long uh-huh. and today a million times over, is off... Rhythm Nation 1814, okay. Janet Jackson's Black Cat <laughs> from 1989. Yeah. And look up, you pr- you co-produced it with her. Yeah. Can you please tell us about that experience, that classic rock well, dance to it? It's a great well, song. You know, I, I'm a rocker. Just like I'm a blues guy, I'm a rocker, too. So, And I was, back in those days, I was into a lot of heavy metal. So I was into heavy guitars and stuff. And so um, we wanted to do, you know, Michael had beat it and stuff. So we were doing Janet. And we, I wanted to get something that could kind of compete with her brother, you know. So we just she brought me this, this riff. She, it was on a piano. The Black Cat riff was on the piano that she brought me, and I heard it, and I said, okay. So then I, I got a good friend of mine. His name is Dave Barry. He ended up being her guitar player for years. He was playing a little band up on, uh, out on 494, 
uh, I forgot the name of the club. But anyway, I brought him into the studio, and I rented a Marshall, and uh, and we cut the riff. We Are you cut, kidding me? Yeah, we cut the riff, and uh, I put I added some guitars on that stuff. But he did. I had him do the solo. Uh, Jesse Johnson cussed me out later, said, "You know, you could have should have did that solo." <laughs> I said, "No, I wanted it to sound as as heavy as possible," and it turned out. And then me and Janet got together. She got the lyrics together, and my, me and her went in one night, kicked everybody out of the studio, and and we laid it down. You know? So if you produce it, you're helping her figure out ideas. I remember to get her how to sing it, telling her how to sing it, helping her, you know, make sure it's melodic, make sure that you know, you know, producer, you a lot of things. Yeah, so you, you're coaching basically, and you got them, and they have to believe in you. If they don't believe in you, you all is lost. It's not gonna get out of what you needed. And I knew it was kind of different for her because you know she's R and B. Yeah. So I had to make her. I wanted. I said I want you to sound like a rock goddess, and that's what we did. You know. How did you did you like like coach? Cause it, it sounds like she's as a rock goddess. Yeah. Did you like talk her up to build yeah, up to yeah. sing it. Yes, I did. Um, yeah. How yeah. did you go about doing that? Like, what was it like for us to kind of picturing this? Just, you know, you just, you, that's, that's, that's right. First of all, you know, Janet's private, so, you know, she wants to interact with just you. So you can't have any distractions around you. Know, I, that, you know, that's just her. So so once we got that together, and I just threw ideas at her, and we tried. If it worked, we kept it. If it didn't, we went on and tried something else until we got what we, until I got what I wanted. I, I, we didn't stop. It took us hours to do it, but, it, you know. And, you know, it's ironic, too. She just she just got in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and I, I think I'm the only one did a rock song on her. So. Isn't that just difficult? <laughs> That's crazy. <isn't> it? <laughs> I was kind of chuckling about that, yeah. Um, yeah. So did you, like, all the extra vocals... Are you, did you hire other singers to do no, those that's parts? Her. That's all that's her doing. All, her. all those big parts. All those big parts is her. She does all the harmonies or all the. Yeah. Big... When you hear a Janet production, that's Jimmy does the same thing where he's great at getting her to do. She's great. You you go to the piano, you find the note that you wanted, a harmony note, and she gets it. She's wow. amazing. She's so amazing. Big chorus is her. Some big choruses is her. There's no other singers. Yeah. So, did you? Was it your idea to start off that kind of cowbell too at the mm-hmm. beginning of the song? No, yeah, that's drum machine, and you put the cowbell bell in there to make the drums bigger than life. Metal. Think about the metal thing. All the heavy metal people freaked out. I know. They I freaked was a out. Molly Crew, Molly Crew, all them guys. You know, Rat, all them. They could not. That's Janet Jackson. They can't believe. They couldn't believe it. Yeah. And then it even has uh, that breakdown in the middle. Kind of was a throwback to me to. Uh, uh, yeah, with the acoustic. It was those kind of Richie Sambora ish. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know that. Dun, yeah, dun, 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 dun. I, I had uh, I had they put the acoustic thing in there, and then we took a slide. John McClain did the little slide thing in there stuff, and then at the end, I got funky in the end, you yeah. know, with the rhythm shit. So, hey, it, That's it, was, awesome. it was amazing, man. It, it was amazing, and it 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 just it was crazy, <laughs> and it went to number one. I was like, damn. I was like, wow. Yeah. And what made you think to add that 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 kind of coda at the ending just because because just like i'm a rocker and a blues guy i'm a funk guy too so <laughs> so i thought it'd be kind of nice and then you know they if you if you if you look at black cat there's a ton of different versions now so there's one was me and jesse johnson is a funky one
uh, you, you know, I don't know if you can pull it up on YouTube. Oh, I'll, I'll clip it in this. Yeah. This, this for sure. But there's some. There's so many different versions. Then there's one with Vernon Reed from Living Color. He's shredding oh, through it. Vernon Reed. It's all color. kind of stuff. Yeah. So it's it, people had a lot of fun with that song after it was done. You know. I think so. it's one of the best just rock songs. Yeah. yeah. Um. So you're metal guy. That's really cool. Yeah. I so, love Van Halen. I love uh uh. uh I love Van Halen. I love Rush. I love uh, Motley Crue. Even though they, Vince Neil can be annoying sometimes. You oh, know. you've met you've met him before. I, I haven't met him. I love Kiss. I just saw Kiss. Really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was backstage with Kiss one time. Me and Ronnie and and Marty were backstage with Kiss because uh, it was Kiss and Aerosmith, and Gene Simmons was back there cracking jokes and telling crazy. And you know, and and Marty's blonde. He said, "Well, you tell a blonde when with two black eyes." And you know we was kind of snickering. Marty didn't find it too funny. So you don't tell her nothing. You already told her. <laughs> 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 me and Mar- me and Roddy fell out. Marty was mad as hell. Oh, but Jesus. that's Gene Simmons. He's crazy. Yeah. I'd like to tell you all about one of my favorite bars in the Roseville slash St. Paul, Minnesota area. The B-Dale Club, located on the corner of County Road B and Dale's motto is a place for family, a place for friends, a place for fun. And that is right. The food at T-Dog's Cafe and Takeaway, as I call it, is excellent. My buddy Macklemore Corey recommends the appetizer platter. Rob, Natalie Shelley, and the entire bar staff are all state-of-the-art cocktail magicians. Trying to talk my buddy Bartol to meet me down at B-Dale later for a couple of Waller Woodhills. Don't miss the 2019 Love Beer Hate Cancer Kickball event on Saturday, May 4th. Karaoke, live music, pool table, pool tabs, bingo nights, bocce ball tournaments, and much, much more. B-Dale's got it all. Stop by for a cold one soon. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, who's some of your favorite metal guitarists then? Metal guitar players, uh, like I said, Eddie's probably my favorite. Uh, God, I'm leaving guys out. I know I'm leaving out guys I shouldn't. Um, or those old eight, like '80s metal bands, like, yeah, like Metallica I, I, and shit like that. Or I, is that a little much? I, Metallica, I didn't get into as much. I even know that that Kurt Hammond is good and shit. Uh, another guy I like was a uh, God. Who was that? Uh, oh, Rat, uh, Warren D. Martini. Warren D. Martini. Oh my brats. God! Because he's nasty. He's he's funky too. In addition to being, uh, he can shred, but he can get funky too, man. So isn't a rat like round to, and round? Yeah, round and round. Yeah, yeah. What's rat. other? What's another rat hit? Uh oh, White Snake. I love White Snake. I love uh, you know that uh, John Sykes was in there, and then uh, yeah. and then Steve Vai was in there too, you know, for a while. Really? Uh, yeah, Lay yeah. it down. Yeah. Lay, Lay it down. down. Yeah, Lay yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rat was something else, man. And you know, and, and look crazy for me because hey, I'm this little black, snotty nosed kid loving all this hard rock music. So, you know, some of my black friends are like, what? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's, that's, that, now I see why you got that producing job with Janet Jackson. Yeah. That's incredible, man. Yeah. And I, I just, you know, my years of fly, producing with Flight Time, I always had my, because I, I did things differently than Terry and Jimmy. I mean, they helped. But uh, my productions would come out differently, and that was about on purpose, you know, so that would get their albums diversity, you know. Mm-hmm. 
So. Were you surprised at the success of Black Cat? Like when you tracked it, or did it's, you just know this is just incredible? I was. I just. I thought it was incredible. I didn't know how good it was going to do. And like I said, I just wanted her to be able to compete with her brother. You know, because you know Mike Holler beat it, and he had Dirty Diana, and all that kind of stuff. So I just wanted her. She's got that classic Jackson voice. I wanted her to have a happy song. You know. Cool. Did you have a relationship with her previously? That where you guys were like buddies and stuff. So she well, she enjoyed she, hanging she, out with she, you. She, she she was she was tight with Terry and Jimmy, and so you know with me being around them, she was around me. So during that era, and it was a short, short era, you know. Uh, I haven't seen her in years and stuff, but she was she, she was like a sister to me. Wow, I, I, it was t- we, we, it was good. It was tight. It was great to work with her. So, do you enjoy doing all that producing stuff? Yeah, I did. It was a great time in my life. It was because it, it helped me musically. It helped me with my guitar player. It helped me with drumming. All that. Everything helps one another. You know, like uh, I tell people, because I play drums, that helps me my rhythm with the guitar. You oh know, yeah, it's all connected. You know, so okay. Yeah. Um, how did you start? Even where, so you're from Chicago. Okay. And uh, how'd you wind up up here? My mom moved me out of Chicago when I was 12 years old because of the gangs. The gangs were recruiting me. And um, she wasn't having it. You know, she just wasn't having it. She worked for the post office, and it was getting dangerous, and they were, you know, messing with me every day. And she said, oh, we're gone. We're leaving. So we moved over here, and we moved to the north side, 1012 Morgan. And it was a different start for me, man. And then uh, after a few years, we got a house over 1506 Vincent, over north. And uh, that's where I grew up. That's where I met, you know, Prince and Morris Day. And, and you met those guys there? On the north side, yeah. Terry Lewis, yeah. yeah. I met all those guys over there. I grew up with them. So, wow. Yeah. Um, how did you get into drums? I got into drums, man, because when I was 9, 10 years old, I would always beat on pots and pans and my mom's coffee table, and she got sick of it. So by the time uh, I, I turned, like, uh, 13, she got a drum set I couldn't break. And so, <laughs> so uh, and that's when I got into it. I started teaching myself. She she actually got me six months of lessons. But, you know, after you go to school five days a week and, you know, getting up at 7, 8 o'clock in the morning, you know, on Saturday when you have to go to drum school, you don't want to be up at 8 o'clock going to, you know, have a drum teacher teaching you what you didn't want to be taught. And, you know, he was trying to teach me all that Jerry Lewis rock, rock drumming, tat, 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 tat. And I wanted to play James Brown. So I could teach myself by sitting in front of my stereo and, and listening and figuring out how to do it. So I, I told my mom after about six months, Mom, I don't want to go to drum lessons no more. She said, fine. So I, I after that, I just started teaching myself. And I listened to all the classic drummers, funk drummers. And then as I got older, I listened to more progressive, like Billy Cobham and uh, Lenny White, and my favorite David Garibaldi from Tower Power. I just, I just mimicked them, man, and I always worked at trying to have a good pocket because two and four is everything. I tell these young guys now, they got a ton of chops, but chops don't get you paid. Two and four get you paid. Asses wiggling get you paid. That's just, I'm telling you. Yeah. I remember when ZZ Top put out Eliminator. Oh, yeah. Billy yeah. Gibbons, Another who, who Kenny just got to tour with. Yeah. Isn't that incredible for yeah. him? Yeah, yeah. Um, he said that he went to these dance clubs and he was picking out the, he was trying to figure out the time signature to yeah, get yeah, people dancing. Yeah, yeah. What number is it? 
Is it 120, 140? It could be any of that, man. It, you know, there's different grooves, man. But like I said, long as long as you get in that groove, man, it could be any speed. But it, it needs to be one that people feel comfortable dancing to. You know. Okay. Yeah. And then when did you evolve to guitar? Uh, I evolved to guitar when I was 15. Cause a cousin of mine left his guitar. You know, he was living, living with us, and then he, he went back home. He left, he left his guitar. So I started teaching myself. <laughs> and, I, you know, I found, I said, oh, this is kind of cool. You know, I didn't know what I was doing at first, but, you know, I, I kind of evolved into it. And I started listening to Hendrix. I said, damn, it would be cool to learn how to play, you know. And so, so I did. So after about a couple years, I got kind of good. And then my cousin came back and took the guitar. <laughs> Oh, dude. So then my mom bought me <laughs> bought me my own and stuff, so it was cool. Yeah, man. In your video, you got a really cool Hendrix shirt on. Oh, yeah. yeah. That that's video. my favorite guitar player. And then uh, speaking of guitars, so in the video, too, you have like kind of a Prince head, a Prince guitar. Yeah, yeah. What I kind have, of guitar is that? What is that? One is called, it's called Voodoo Child. Uh, oh, an ex-girlfriend of mine bought it. Uh, it's, uh, it was made in Wisconsin. Really? Yeah, it's by Norton Guitars. They are, they're no longer around, but yeah, it's a cool ass guitar. She paid about twenty five hundred dollars for it. Oh wow! And then, uh, and then also in my video, I have like uh, uh, my version of the Hendrix Monterey Strat that I play in there too. So man, you are a diehard guitar guy. Yeah. Do you, do you play a lot of drum gigs still? Yeah, the drums play the bills around here. I'm around, <laughs> the, around the country with more day in the time all the time. We were just uh, did a private thing. Uh, Sunday night at Paisley, and we were in uh, Michigan the night before. So. Oh wow! Yeah. Yeah, I'll ask you about all the the time and all that stuff in the very last one here. Okay. Um, a couple of things before we end this uh, uh, this episode is uh, I'm sure you've been asked this many times. Where'd you get the name Jellybean? I got the. I'll give you a short, condensed, dense version of it. Uh, a trumpet player of ours. Uh, we were playing. We were like 17 years old, playing a club downtown called the Flame Bar on Nicollet years ago, almost like late 70s or whatever. And we shouldn't have been in there, but we were, you know. And Flight Time was a band then, so we were in there one Tuesday night, about a handful of people in there. So we was kind of messing around and stuff. So we got off stage and said, "Dang." We sound kind of crazy tonight. Our trumpet player said, yeah, we sound like a bunch of jelly beans. So everybody cracked up, and he said, wait, wait a minute. Jelly Bean Johnson. And so then the next day he brought, he, I don't know how he did it, but he went and got a T-shirt, and he bought it with a vulture on it, and it said Jelly Bean. And I've been Jelly Bean Johnson <laughs> ever since, man. So. Oh, that's awesome, man. You know, another story about that, too, when I was in Princeton's organization, uh, I don't know if you remember a DJ, a famous DJ was his name, Jellybean Benitez. He was going with Madonna and stuff. So anyway, we were getting ready to put out Purple Rain. Oh, we had put Purple Rain out. And he saw the credits, right, saying Jellybean Johnson. So he had the audacity to call Prince, you know, call Prince PRM Productions and ask Prince, would uh, Jellybean please change his name? Of course, Prince told him to get the hell off his phone. Saying, you're Jellybean Benitez, he's Jellybean Johnson. You're two different people. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's awesome, man. That is awesome. Yeah. All right, we'll wind up part two on that. Thank you very much for Jelly Bean Johnson for being on the Mark Stare Music Podcast. And please tune in next week for part three.
Thanks for tuning in to this week's edition of the Mark Starry Music Podcast. Hope you've enjoyed the program. We'll see you back here for new podcasts about life and times and the live and local music scene each and every Tuesday, if not before, on iTunes, SoundCloud, and most other places podcasts are available. This is a listener-supported podcast, so if you'd like to get on board, please visit patreon.com forward slash Mark Starry Music Podcast. If you enjoyed some of the musical edits on the show, please head on over to your local record store or do some digging on iTunes and load up on some new songs. Also, if you get a chance, please go check out some live music somewhere. It could be a great and worthwhile experience. Life is short. Go have some fun. Till next time. Wow, wow.